This is episode 11 with Steph Ganowski talking fear and love. Welcome to Fearless University, the podcast where we discuss, dissect, and examine some of life's greatest fears. My name is Coach Lane Lee, performance coach and fear psychology enthusiast, here to help you understand your greatest fears. Fear is my passion. Curiosity is my nature, and understanding is the gift I seek to share with all who will listen. Because if we seek to understand more, we can learn to fear less. Welcome to another episode of Fear Less You. Each episode, I feature a new guest who lends their special brand of wisdom and expertise to help me unlock the mysteries of fear. What we discuss is not an exact science, but in all things, we seek understanding. Because it's not about being void of fear, but instead, understanding more to fear fear itself less. I want to thank you for spending some time with me today. Wherever you're listening, be sure to like and share this episode if you find it helpful or entertaining. And be sure to turn on your notifications so you know exactly when a new episode drops. And as always, be sure to rate and review us wherever you find us. By doing so, you're helping our placement and ranking in search results. Help me touch the lives of millions of people around the world, helping them to understand more and in turn, fear less. I kind of hate saying this simply because I'm sure this is going to happen often as the show continues, but this was probably my most fun interview so far. Stephanie Ganowski, a.k.a. Steph, was such a blast to interview, and I truly hope you guys have as much fun listening as I did conducting the interview. You know, I really want to stress to you all the power of connectivity. In episode two, I spoke about the fear of failure and not being afraid of hearing no and how inoculating yourself to the sound of no can have tremendous opportunities open up to you when you learn to take a chance on things. The people you meet alone become an experience you're thankful for taking. This episode is one I've been wanting to do for a while, but it just wasn't working out with the guests I had lined up. I'm so thankful not only that I took a chance on reaching out to Steph, but also that she answered because she added so much life, personality, and perspective to this episode. I know it was meant to be. So who is Steph Ganowski? We actually met on Instagram, which is yet another reason why I love that platform. She's a relationship and intimacy coach who focuses on men, giving them the tools they need to gain massive confidence in the dating world. So yeah, This episode is for the fellas or the fella in your life, whether that's your hubby, your boyfriend, your son or nephew, or maybe even your best friend. Everyone who's listening has something tremendous to gain from this episode. We talk about four dating fears that are specific to men. We briefly discuss Lewis Howes' Mask of Masculinity and which masks Stephanie finds to be most common among her clients. Steph also gives you fellas listening some etiquette advice for pursuing women online or on social media without seeming like a stalker. And before Steph outlines three actionable bits of advice, we discuss common dating myths, one of my favorite things to discuss. I think what makes this episode so awesome 
is that approaching emotional blocks from the standpoint of fear is somewhat of a new insight for Steph's teaching. So we really got to learn a lot from each other in this episode. All right, fellas, it's time to do what most of us men have a really hard time doing. Sit still and pay attention. Grab your notebooks and your pens. Yeah, you heard me. Stop texting, Snapchatting, tweeting, or whatever it is you're doing with your smartphones right now and write with your hands for crying out loud. And give your full attention to the insightful, the delightful, entertaining, the one and only Miss Steph Ganowski. Hey guys, Coach Lane here, and welcome to another episode of The Fearless You. I am excited about today's episode, not just because it took tooth and nail for us to get here to this point. Long story, I'll explain later. But also because today we're discussing relationships and fear. And with me to talk about this is none other than Miss Steph Ganowski. Uh, Stephanie, thank you for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to talk with you. I'm super excited, too. I'm even more excited now that we got all the audio kinks yeah. out of the way. <laughs> it's like it, it, you know, amped up my my excitedness. Yeah. Um, I've never been more excited. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, most likely this is yet another fear topic that will become uh, a recurring theme on the show, mainly because it's one that has so many facets to be discussed. But with my growing interest and participation in the Man Enough movement, which is being spearheaded by Justin Baldoni and organizations such as A Call to Men, I thought it'd be really interesting to focus today's episode um, on the men and how guys can better understand themselves and their relationship-related fears to become better men both in and outside of the relationships and at the same time discussing you know uh, fears from the female perspective as well which is why I thought Stephanie was the perfect person to come on today's show so uh, Stephanie how about to get us started uh, for those who who you know may not know you just give yourself uh, do a little brief intro on who you are um, and what it is that you do and how you got to doing that yeah. Um, well, I'm a relationship and intimacy coach for men. Um, I work specifically with men, and I help them. I help them define define their goals, g- gain clarity on what they want in life, and especially you know relating to a relationship. The outcome is usually a relationship, which right. is why they come to me. Um, but there's so many things that get in the way of of that relationship that we need to you know gain clarity more clarity on, so that they can work on it, improve themselves, become the best version of themselves they could possibly be, the best man they could be, so that they can start attracting the women they actually want to attract. Nice. Um, so that's that's how I work with them. And I got into this because I was a fitness trainer for like five years, yoga instructor, fitness trainer. And I realized how powerful mindset was when it came to my clients reaching their goals. You know, right. those with a positive mindset always met their weight loss goals or their strength, their muscle goals. And those with without a positive mindset would fail or would give up and I would right. never see it again. So I was like, you know, this is really interesting. Like everything stems from mindset and belief in oneself. And that led me to being a mindset coach, which then eventually led me here um, to working with men with relationships and helping them 
you know, find the, find the women they want and attract the type of women they want. Because I realized, you know, there's no, there's really no dating coaches out there that focus specifically on mindset or self-talk, especially working just with men. And I realized so many men, especially don't get enough. Um, you know, there's, there's no one really telling them how to feel and how to, you know, release certain emotions they have and how, and you need to do that. Like you need to do that as a human being in order to improve yourself. You have to get rid of the shit from your past. You have to be able to overcome it and, and improve your self-talk so that you're strengthening yourself and talking yourself up instead of talking yourself down where, where people tend to live in insecurity and fear and, and doubt. And they just, you know, sit there and live there. So I thought it would be, you know, it would benefit men so much to have someone, especially a woman, a female perspective, helping them see like, okay, this is like, this is a safe place. You can trust me. You can open up to me. You know, we don't have to out. I feel like when men work together, it's like, who's the bigger man? Like we have to out man. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's always a competition or a contest. Yeah. It becomes a competition instead of, okay, here's all my shit. Like, how can I figure this all out where, where they feel safe doing that with me? Cause I, they know I'm not competition. Right. Um, and, and I noticed too, that, you know, personally, and I've, I've talked to other guys that have agreed that, you know, when it's your, your, your spouse or your partner, that's giving you con- the criticism, even if it is constructive, it still feels like it's coming from that same place, like, you know, like, yeah. oh, well, I'm doing something wrong or, you know, you, you tend to get defensive because it's it's more personal. Yeah. And so to have yeah, an impersonal thing. third party, you know, speaking on it and offering constructive advice, um, I think definitely helps out a lot more. Yeah. And I try to do it so in a way that's very um, that's objective, you know, it's trying mm-hmm. not to. It's trying to get just ask them questions so that they can think differently about themselves. Right. I try not to say, here's the advice I want to give you. You know, it's not all just advice. It's like, okay, well, why would you say that? Why would you use that word? You know, you and I were talking about words before we started recording. Right. That's something I'll do too. It's like, well, why would you use, like the other day a guy said to me, I'm disgusted by the way I approach women. And I was like, disgusted. Like that's a very powerful word. Like, why would you use that word? So it's kind of just analyzing their own um, their own vocabulary and self-talk because everything we do is stemmed from our self-talk, which, which grows, you know, which turns into our beliefs, which then, then turns into our actions, which determines our life. So it sure. starts with the self-talk. Men don't do enough positive self-talk because they think it's feminine or they think it's weak. And this is what I focus on most because I, and I want them to feel strong and the most masculine improving that self-talk. I think that's awesome. And, and I wanted to touch on something that you said where you were saying that, um, you know, men don't get an opportunity to feel vulnerable or share their feelings, or they don't feel that they have the opportunity or permission to do that. And I think that that's definitely something that stems from, you know, culture, not American culture, like any culture. Um, You know, that's something that I'm really starting to get kind of obsessed with studying is like, you know, how masculinity is viewed as acceptable in different cultures, not just how it's defined, but what actions are acceptable. And you'll find that around the world, vulnerability is not really built into masculine culture. And I think Mm -hmm. it's something that we need to be discussing more, especially with our young men to say, you know, you guys can change the course of male behavior. And I heard a couple months ago, redefining it by redefining it. Yeah. And I think I heard a couple months ago, um, it was with the the terrible Las Vegas tragedy that was probably actually a year ago almost already, and um, 
somebody brought up, they said, you know, you notice a lot of these mass shootings and a lot of these these horrible expressions of of anger, they're they're committed by men. And I think there's a correlation to be tied there between, you know, male anger and this lack of vulnerability or feeling permission to share your feelings more often and talk openly like I believe I have a mental illness or I'm sad. I'm distraught. I'm hurt. You know, we, I, I notice even I don't do it and I'm, I'm considered to be a pretty sensitive guy, um, but I don't share uh, when something is actually bothering me, you know? And, and then when I finally do, it usually ends up coming out in some sort of like a, a you know, verbal outburst. And, and, you know, I know sometimes my wife is oh, like, yeah, you didn't intend it to. Exactly. And I know, like, just the other day, my wife was like, where did that come from? <laughs> like, what else is going on? And I was like, I just, I probably should just talk more often, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, no, I but think the that's... The brain is not meant to talk as much as the female brain. So it's like, even just your brain structure alone makes it more difficult. Like, wow. then there's society on top of that that just right. reinforces, like, you know, shut up. Don't, don't talk about your emotions. Be a man. So... I started, I know I started following you um, specifically for the dual reason that A, you're a relationship expert and B, you focus on helping men better understand themselves. For me, that's, that's really important, you know, because um, as I mentioned before, the, the man enough movement, Justin Baldoni, for those who don't know, Justin Baldoni is a social media influencer, but he's best known for his role as uh, Rafael Sol- Solano, I think it is, on Jane the Virgin. Um, which is a CW show. And uh, in his video series, Man Enough, which you can check out on YouTube, um, he invites fellow male actors, dancers, comedians, poets, philanthropists, and other influencers. And they have a casual yet open dinner roundtable discussing what it actually means to be a man in the 2000 teens. You know, what masculinity looks and acts like how it's beneficial to our lives and the lives of the women we love to learn to be more sensitive and vulnerable with our emotions, feelings, and philosophies. So, um, you know, that's what really kind of stood out to me when I saw this, like you said, I don't, I haven't seen, I've seen a lot of self-help experts on Instagram, a lot of life coaches and other coaches I have yet to have seen, um, in my, in my interactions and explorations, a female to male uh, relationship relationship expert, excuse me. So mm-hmm. that's what really kind of uh, you know attracted to me wanting attracted me wanting to speak with you more. How did you get into this? Like, did you did you try counseling females or did you try counseling everybody? And did you discover that there was something special about you know the way that you related to men and and the the struggles that they go through in relationships yeah I mean that's interesting like you know because you just saying that just made me think well that's actually why I did it because there were no like I didn't see anyone helping men I didn't see any females helping men and I thought hey there's so many like there's so many female dating coaches that work with men and women you know and you can tell that all their marketing is for women for the majority right and then there's men um, who are mostly pickup artists, pickup mm. artists who are, who mm. are, um, you know, training men to, to use the quick tips and tricks to play the game and get Heck the yeah. woman with you. So yeah. I was like, okay, but where's like the actual relationship coach that's going to help this 
this guy like feel really great about himself and find a good woman and there were none and especially no female ones so I was like okay this is great um and it kind of just matched where I was at the point of my life I I um like growing up and like early especially like college years I had a very I had a very bad view of men in general. And of course I had great guys in my life, but I did like, overall, I thought, you know, I thought men and the words that came to my mind were, you know, pigs, users, assholes. Mm -hmm. And that's really like what I would label them. And like, I would joke around with my friend and we would talk like that. And it's like now thinking about it, I'm like, holy, like, where was I? How was I thinking like that? And it's just, it's just, you know, it's the way we're conditioned. It's the, it's the way we experience things. And it was just, having specific I had like five specific guys in my life who at a certain point when I needed people most when I needed the most help in my life I had five men who just they lived around the world I met them through Instagram wow and they were watching my videos and at that time I was just doing personal development I wasn't talking relationships I was just I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life so I would just make random videos and just put them out every day on Instagram and I had these five guys that were like you're doing amazing like that's awesome keep it up like today's video is so great. Like, can you talk about this next time? And they were just so supportive. And I was like, wow, that's so nice. And they're men. And it's like, I never had these men support, like men supporting me in that way. And it was like, if there are more guys like this, I want to help them. Like I want to, you know, I should work with these types of guys. Like, how am I going to find these types of guys? And I just, you know, when it came to starting my business and marketing, I just marketed in a way of just expecting that I would attract those men. And I did like all the guys on my page. I have not had a single like I probably had one like pervert come through that I ended up blocking. But like right. out of all the men I speak to who come to me on a daily basis through my DMs and just like on phone calls every day I'm on phone calls. There was just not one disrespectful man. And it just like from the very start was like I would be in tears like wow. random days. I would just be in tears because I'm like, like, wow, I did not. And there's so many women who don't know all these amazing men exist. And exactly. it's just that breaks my heart. You know, I, for a long time, I felt that it was kind of like a badge of honor to feel, and of course, this is a self-proclaimed title, but it was like a badge of honor to feel like, you know, um, you know, like you're the last of a dying breed, you know, of, Mm -hmm. of guys that do take it upon themselves to focus on, okay, you know, how could I be more sensitive? How can I work on myself? I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I'm still a work in progress, like most of us, but I I do find it, you know, working in a, in a sport and an industry that is predominantly female, I find it very important to monitor what I say, how I say it, and to be that kind of that lighthouse in the dark that shows these young girls like hey there are sensitive caring males out there that aren't going to always just you know be focused on trying to hit on you or you know uh, do something to take advantage of you Um, that there are guys out there that that are going to love you for who you are and you don't need to adapt who that is at all um, to just be yourself but I think that you're exactly right. It would be so much better if this was not so uncommon, that it was more commonplace that guys are like this. And I and I know, like you're saying, I'm seeing now that there are so many more men out there and young men that are like this, that share this mentality. It's just culture uh, would much rather show that, just like everything else, you know, like watching the news, culture would so much more rather 
show the negative sides of masculinity. Um, yeah, because it's more exciting, right? Right. You know, it's drama. Yeah. And but it's so damaging because just like you were saying how you used to talk with your friend in college, I, I, I I'm noticing that, too. Not just about how, you know, um, um, you speak about women or female culture, how you speak about everybody, you know, like just catching yourself saying things that you're like, wow, I say that, but I don't necessarily come from that, that, you know, school of thought or that, that, um, you know, ideology. Like, why would I then allow myself to speak like that if it's not a proper reflection of who I actually am? And so yeah. I think that that's a big part of this conversation. Like you were talking about self-talk and, you know, the words that we use, we have to be very mindful of how we're speaking about, um, you know, the opposite gender, our own gender and our own culture. Like we have to be very specific about the choices or the words that we choose to use. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'll say that to, you know, I'll say that to my guys, even if it's something as simple as, well, like I tried, I just couldn't do it today. I'm like, okay, like, just like, and then they'll just get in the habit of saying like, okay, I'll try. I'll try. I'm like, don't say mm. you'll try. Just say you'll do it. Right. Okay. Like, right. Yoda. Shout out say to Yoda. Do or do what? not. There is no try. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wow. There's no such thing. And it's just like getting out of the habit of saying like, oh, like I'm a fucking failure. Like there's so many guys who are just like, oh, I'm a failure. Like I'm a loser. Like that's mm. why like I just, I just suck. And I'm like, okay, it's, it's. You can't you can't bring yourself down if you want to focus on becoming better. There's no way in hell that you mm. can become a better version of you when you're when you have those words in your vocabulary. Right. Because, you know, as we were talking about, the brain will pick up on it and mm -hmm. the brain will take the easiest route and the quickest route. And that's usually just like, OK, like you're a loser. OK, you're a loser. Let's go act like a loser. There you go. And, and then that's your personality that right. turns into right. that turn that changes who you are. And in order to. You can actually like rewire your entire brain by instilling a new vocabulary that strengthens you, that motivates right. you, that makes you feel good. And at first, yeah, it may not feel so natural because when you when you feel like say you feel like a loser and then you start saying words like like I'm a strong guy, I can do this no matter what happens, I'm going to do it. OK, let's go. You right. know, that may not feel good to you in the beginning if you're in that low, insecure place. Right. But with repetition and with body language added into it, you can actually manipulate your your brain and your body to have these beliefs and start becoming this person that you want to be. It just takes repetition and it takes the vocabulary. And, you know, like you said, like we pick up on words so easily and they come out so easily. But you have to be so cautious, like so careful of what you say, even if you don't believe it. Even the music that comes into your ears, like mm -hmm. what are the lyrics saying? Because they're exactly. sticking with you. Do you want them to or not? Right. It's crazy. There's so many correlations between the way you and I coach in our different industries. Specificity, repetition, and unfamiliarity. Those are all things that I'm always talking to my athletes about, yeah. you know. They're like, oh, that felt, you know, they try a skill for the first time and they'll start dogging themselves like, oh, it could have been better. That, that felt really bad. I'm like, yo, pump the brakes for a second. You've never tried this before in your life and you know compound on top of that the fact that your brain is interpreting this as a foreign threat it's an illogical threat to your safety to its safety you know I, i've mentioned on the show many times the brain is a self-preservationist and so right. like you were just saying it wants to take the shortest route to an action so that it doesn't have to risk danger or exposure 
right? Mm-hmm. So that we have to stay in that place of complacency and safety. And that's why, like you're saying, you know, it, it'll feel foreign when you start changing your self-talk because if think about it, if you, if the brain wants you to be comfortable and complacent, then where you are most comfortable existing is where the brain is going to feel comfortable. If you're comfortable existing in a place of negativity, that's where the brain is going to feel comfortable. And the moment you try to traverse outside of that comfort zone, the brain starts pulling you back. I have a friend that had this great quote. He said, the brain has to stretch to accept a new idea. And when you think about that analogy, Think about the brain stretching. Any kind of stretching usually hurts, especially if you haven't stretched in a long time. But it makes you better at the end of the day. You get more flexible. You have better range of motion. You have more fluidity in your movement, and it helps with your blood flow. So um, I think that you're hitting the nail on so many heads. Like it just, I love what you're saying because it's exactly the same thing that I say: repetition, specificity, and understanding why something feels so unfamiliar instead of saying, Oh, I don't like that. That feels weird. I'm probably doing it wrong. Let me go back to my safe place. Yeah. And I'll warn my clients too. Like when I take them through a body mind exercise, I'll say, look right now you may, it may not feel good, but you have to keep doing it because no, you don't want to stay in the place where you're in. So of course your brain wants you to stay in the comfort bubble, but if you're not happy in the comfort bubble, and you want to get out, then you have to do something that feels weird, that feels different. And as long as you trust me, you know, just keep doing it and yeah. then notice, notice how your, your mindset changes. And it does, it always does. And they're just like, wow, mind blown. <laughs> I think we're going to trade services, Steph. We're, I'm going to teach you how to tumble. You're going to teach me how to uh, be a more confident man. Yes. <laughs> and we're just, we're going to coach each other coaching. It's going to be amazing. Right. Oh my God. I think that'd be awesome. We'll have be to set... <laughs> right. Right. Mind blown moment. So, uh, what? Moving on to the, my next thought, and something we've kind of already touched on already. But what I like about, like I was saying, what I like about the way you coach and that your and your business is that you're coming from a place of let me help you better understand. And as I, uh, you know, shared with you, the keystone uh, to my show is understanding you know if we seek to understand more we can learn to fear less and outperform our greatest fears um in your experience what are three of the most common fears you find men and women face when it comes to dating well i'll give you four um one putting yourself out there Mm. two fear of commitment Mm -hmm. three Fear of sharing or showing emotions. Mm. And for fear of judgment, especially with social media today. So maybe you can, yeah, that's huge. Maybe you can walk us through each of those fears um, in your experience. And how do you go about helping your clients to better understand themselves in those areas and, so that they can get back to a confident place? Yeah, well, I'd say that putting yourself out there is is huge because it's just and I think that that really um, starts with self-talk right because if we're talking if we're talking ourselves down that's when our self-worth becomes lower and lower and we feel like you know we're, we're not worth it for others to hear what we have to say and we don't really matter and you know like why even put myself out there what do I have to give and it's just it starts with with um with just, you know, that, that 
that self-talk that's just not that's just not in the right place right especially like a lot of men have this like they deal with self-worth and self-worth like lack of self-worth right and i'll start them by saying um you know what are you good at like what do you have to give what have you given to what have you um what can you give to someone else right now? Or what could you give me? Like, could you give me advice right now? Like, what are your greatest strengths? And it's kind of just having them refocus and shift their mindset and all the things they have going for them and all the things they've done for other people that other people have appreciated or, you know, things they just have to offer in terms of their personality, in terms of, you know, their humor. And it's just when you're in that low place and you have um, you have that mindset of just beating yourself up. You, you don't ever look at the things that you do have going for you. And all of us have things. Um, all of, all of these men, every single one of them have great talent and they have strengths and they have, you know, all these great capabilities and, and they're great communicators. Like for the most part, like our calls are just so great. And it's just, they're such great men and great people. And it's just, they don't see it at all. And it's kind of like just shifting them back on, okay, well, I know you haven't focused on any of this. So let's talk about it. Let's dig into it, go into the details of it. And when you do, that brings up emotions, you know, that, um, that make them feel good. And it's like, you know, these new, these new emotions that they'll get off the phone with me and be like, I feel amazing. I don't even know, like, I don't even know why I just feel amazing. I'm like, because like, we just brought up all this, you know, stuff from you that you haven't thought about that has to do with you and how you, right. how great, you know, you could potentially feel on a daily basis, but you choose not to because right. look where your focus is. So I think it really just stems from that is like build, build yourself up. Be afraid to put yourself out there. And you look at not putting yourself out there as a disservice to the community. Like mm. I, I find it selfish, like knowing what I know now, if I, quit my business today. That would be selfish of me I because I have so agree. much to offer. Right. I have so much to give these men. I have so many lives to change. And by me keeping that to myself is a disservice. It is right. It's hurting me and everyone else. I, one of my biggest things is, is multiplying the talents. You know, it's like one of my favorite parables from the Bible where you, you have the three servants that were given a, a certain amount of money by their master. And he went on a trip. And so the first two made a return on his investment. They said, you know, um, I went out and I invested the money or I went out and I bought certain goods and I resold them and I made you a profit. And then the third servant was like, well, you know, master, I know you to be a harsh man with your money. So I buried it and I hid it away. And the master turns to him and says, you know, uh, you, you calls him basically like a, a disloyal and, and disobedient servant. But the, for the other two, he says, well done, good and faithful. Like what you've been given little and I'm going to give you and reward you with much more because you actually took that money and you made it more. And what I love about that parable is that the, that the um, denomination of money is actually called talents. Like back in uh, the ancient times, they were actually called talents. And so mm-hmm. you can apply that to now, like exactly what you were saying. It would be a disservice and selfish if you were to sit on or hide away your talents when you could be multiplying them, making a return on that investment and sharing them with everybody, because that's why we call them gifts and talents in the first place. They're meant yeah. to be shared with people. So I think that's beautiful. That is a very, very poignant point. And really quick, I wanted to on that first point, that first fear, the fear of putting you out there, um, you were saying has a lot to do with your self-worth and the way that you view yourself. I know a lot of guys that will listen to this are going to be like, well, I, I love myself. I'm very confident. And I wanted to maybe 
see what you thought about the difference between ego, arrogance, confidence, and self-worth. How are the first three different from the last one? I mean, a question I often get um, is what's the difference between confidence and cocky? Right. Um, so I guess like ego and arrogance can kind of go in that cocky zone. Mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> um, and I think like confidence is knowing your self-worth is high and knowing mm-hmm. that you're a value, but not having to prove it. You don't have Love to it. prove yourself. Um when it comes to arrogance and ego, it's that, and that like cocky persona that many women, you know, loathe. Yeah. Loathe. <laughs> um, Detest. That's, that's always, that's always him trying to prove himself. And it's not like a prove himself to her and she sees it as that, but it's really just him trying to prove it to himself. Exactly. And yeah. That's where it comes from because his self, his self worth his self worth is low. Yeah. And yeah. for you to really understand if you if you have a healthy level of self worth is to just look in the mirror and and like what's the first three things you think when you look in the mirror? Like yeah. this is an exercise I do with a lot of my clients is like look in the mirror right now, what are the three top words that come to your head? Yeah. And yeah. they're either very negative or they're very positive. Wow. It's really interesting. Like yeah. either all three are negative or all three are positive. Wow. So that's, I think, because, and I think the guys who, like a bunch of my clients, when we start out, they can't look at themselves in the mirror. So I think that's a really good way of going about it. Like when no one else is in the room, when no other, no women is, when no women are around, you know, it's just you yeah. versus you. Right. What are your feelings? I remember there was a time for me personally when I used to do that and I would walk into the, you know, like was washing my hands in the bathroom. There was a time where I was very, um, depressed and wasn't admitting that I was depressed. And Mm -hmm. it was when I was a freelance graphic designer and I was spending most of my time here at home on the computer, 14 hours a day. And Mm -hmm. the interesting thing was like my wife at that time, we weren't married, but she was here. And at one point she, I remember her telling me like, you're here all the time. Like we're here together, but you're not present. And I remember I would look at myself in the mirror during that time and, and I was depressed just because I wasn't feeling my self-worth was so low. I didn't feel like I was actually making a contribution to anything. And while I was working so hard to build up this business that I thought I wanted to be in, um, I was failing to see that there was no value being added to anybody's life, especially mine, especially hers. And I would look at myself and the first three words would all be negative. And I think at one point I was like, you know, like you're just, it was just very negative. Like, you know, I hate you. And yeah. I look back on that. I'm just like, that was so sad because I wish I had taken the moment to recognize like, this is a problem. And thankfully it didn't progress from there. Um, but you know, when I decided to step into coaching, it was a part-time thing while I was designing and I just came alive again because I was interacting with humans. And when it, when I finally realized I'm not, it's not what I do, it's how I do it. So I'm not doing this because I have this knowledge. I'm doing this because I have a very specific way of looking at how to perform these skills. And I like playing detective. I like playing counselor and, and therapist, you know, like when I'm talking to the kids and, realizing sometimes they don't have anyone else to talk to and how 
a session with us, you know, doing a private lesson, working on a back handspring can turn into, you know, this is why my week was so shitty and, and I needed somebody to tell. And, yeah. um, so yeah, I think that right? you can totally tell like who never talks to anyone and oh, who sure. has a very supportive environment, like family environment for sure. You know, and I, I used to get kids that would show up crying and I'm like, what happened? I just had an argument with my mom in the car right over here. Or, you know, I got picked on today at school. Of course, they don't say it like that, but that's essentially what happened. Yeah. And it, it's just, it's so, it's so disheartening and so sad because one of the things that I know many sports have, many coaches, if you're a coach listening, please pay attention. What we need to stop saying is leave it at the door. Have you ever heard that expression? Yes. I hate that expression now. Now that I'm not a head coach, I understand more intimately why that is so damaging because as human beings, we are intrinsically intertwined with our emotions. So telling somebody to leave their emotions at the door and leave everything else that they experienced throughout that day at the door is so damaging because it's going to influence their performance at your practice or at your session, whatever you're doing. It's going to influence it. And that is if you want to be a great coach. You need to learn to be invested with their entire life and not just what they can add, the value can add, they can add to your team because they will add so much more value if you actually take the time, dig a little deeper and get to know them and, and ask, how can I help you with what you're experiencing? Yeah. 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 And that's a huge reason why when I first start working with, well, the first, the first form I give anyone before they have a phone call with me is is um, all topics relating to all aspects of life, like financial, career, friendships, family, and then there's you know spouse, significant other, um, fun. So I have them rate all of these things because I don't want to leave any. If one of these things are super low, that most likely is related to their biggest dissatisfaction in life. Mm. You know, which which keeps them from attracting the woman they want. Right. So everything is just related. And I'll never say like, oh, don't talk about finances. Like this isn't related to relationships. Everything is related. Yep. So it's very important to whatever, you know, that gives me a sense of what their block is. And then when we can go into that part of their life and dissect it and analyze it, then that's the only way they can, you know, be healed from it. If they're not having any fun, you know, and they're just working and super stressed, like how are they going to, you know, be able to, relax and and go out to meet a woman and how are they if they do meet a woman how are they going to approach her if they're always high strong and stressed it's like you need fun you need you know you need play you need you need to enjoy what you're doing on a daily basis you need to have friendships who support you so all of these things tie in like you can't leave anything at the door like everything just has is related to everything wow you need to have that healthy balance of the good and the bad yeah that's awesome how how have you noticed that um, your your clients exhibit a fear of commitment? Like how is how is commitment something that um, gets to the point where they're fearful of it? Well, I think they they don't know what they want, hmm. and it's really interesting because one of my first questions uh, on my first call, the free call I do, is what do you, I go through the dissatisfaction, like what's going on? Like what's your, you know, what's the main challenge right now? Right. And then I go, well, what do you want? Like, what do you want it to look like? And then it's like, well, I don't want it to look like this. And like this, I hate it when this happens. Like, But that wasn't the question. The question right. is, what do you want? And this happens every single call. 
And it's just interesting how everyone is just so focused on what's going wrong. And, you know, like I said, it's all mindset. So Mm -hmm. it ties back to the focus being on what's not working and what they're afraid of and, and why it won't happen. And it's just like, you know, especially when it comes to women. And once I'm coaching them, I have them do this again. I'm like, what type of women do you want? Like, who, who do you want to be committed to? Right. Like, what does she look like? What does she taste like? What does she smell like? What does she, where does she go to drink her coffee? Like get specific about the type of person you want to attract. So you have kind of like that avatar to keep in mind when you're, when you're going to meet people or when you're talking to people and have like, know what things you can, you can't live without or know what, know what things you need in a relationship. What are your needs? What are the boundaries you have to set? What can you not stand? Like, what are your pet peeves? And people don't want to like the, for those men who are very uncomfortable and people in general, uncomfortable with themselves, don't go into these details. And then therefore just blame it on, well, like I can't commit, like I'm not committed. Mm. I'm not, I can't do it. And it's like, no, because you don't know what you really want and you're not digging into yourself enough to figure it out. And then you're settling for, I hate to use that term, but you know, you're, you're without that specificity, you're saying, okay, well, I, I think this will, this is what I want. I think. Yeah. Like this feels good right now. Meanwhile, the dopamine is high and it's like date number two. And then Mm -hmm. you get caught in this relationship where you're at a certain age and you, you're just like, ah, screw it. Like, let's, I guess we're happy. We'll get married. And My then, options are limited. And, you know, we make up all these excuses to justify it, basically. Yeah, exactly. Wow. It's just, yeah, it's all excuses. And, you know, I think, you know, fear of commitment also has to do with you're not committed to yourself. And if you're not committed to yourself, you can't be committed to someone else. I think that's huge. I was just uh, sharing one of Eric Thomas's um, famous speeches uh, called You Owe You. And he's talking about, you know, we have all these guarantees that people make to us and we hold them to it, but we don't hold ourselves to guarantees. You know, like he's saying, like, you know, if 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 we're given a 30 day money back guarantee and we're not satisfied in those 30 days, we expect our money back. But he said, but when when was the last time you expected something of yourself that same way where you aren't doing what you said you were going to do? So how can you expect someone else to do what what you what they say they're going to do? You know, so you owe it to yourself to have all of these things to, you know, be as specific as possible, but then hold yourself to a certain standard as well. If you're going to hold other people to that, you know, similar standard or same standard. Yeah. Yeah. And it all starts with you. Like it starts with you because if you don't love yourself enough, you don't have enough love to give. Mm. And if you don't, if you're not committed to yourself, you can't commit to someone else. It's like you need to practice what you want in your life. Like if you want something from, your partner, your future partner, you have to practice that yourself and make sure you can give it to yourself. Practice the skill, understand it, become more aware of it, know what it looks like, how it feels. And then, and then that's when you tie it to a relationship. And that's when you know, you could be satisfied with that relationship. Hold yourself to a higher standard and then ask yourself why if things are going wrong, I think, and that's the other thing he said, things are going wrong. We're so quick to point the finger at somebody else and say, this is why Mm -hmm. instead of like you said, looking in the mirror, pointing the finger at yourself and saying, what are you not doing? What could I be doing better? Yeah. That's awesome. Talk yeah. about the fear of sharing or showing emotion. I think when it comes to, when it comes to men, especially, but men and women, um, when we're afraid to share emotion, we're uncomfortable with it. A good step, a good place to start is to write it down. Because the mind's eye is actually different from the physical eye. 
So we can have so many thoughts flowing in our head, especially females, because our corpus callosum in our brain that divides our two hemispheres is the the um, nerve bundles in between is much great, 10 times greater than a male's brain. So we have thoughts. Yeah. Going back and forth constantly, like from all angles, every area of the brain. And it's just that's why women get overwhelmed so easily. Yeah. Because we're, you know, we're built to multitask. We could have a baby so we could do this, blah, blah, blah. And men are more like direct in their thinking. So because of this, but but men are also not, you know, vulnerable and not releasing enough emotion. So right. So and and women to become better at expressing emotion or releasing that overwhelm is to write it down on paper. You know, get get in the habit of journaling or if not, you know, you don't have to think of it as journaling like, oh, this is my day today. Like, it doesn't have to be this long thing. You know, I think when people think journaling, they think you have to write a page about everything that happened in the day. It's right. just just get out a piece of paper in the morning and write down write down how you're, how you're feeling and ask yourself why. I think like when we get in the habit of asking ourselves, like getting our thoughts first on paper, you know, if things are like are all all over our mind just put it on the paper then you realize like oh wow it's not that big of a deal like i Mm -hmm. i thought i had so much more and it's just three things and Mm -hmm. i could i could fix all this so it's like you can look at it from a a different eye um plus like you know if you can just if you have a certain mood or you have a certain feeling and you're not sure why just start writing like just say i feel like this right now and then most likely you'll say because you know this happened but this happened before and it's okay like i can figure it out and then you just you just kind of go, you just kind of go with it. Like when we put, when we get a thought out of our head, it's not as scary. It's, it's more, you know, I could fix, like now I'm looking at it. I'm facing it. It's face on. I'm mm-hmm. looking at this fear. I'm ha- and then I, I can find a way to deal with it. So yeah. it's much easier to, to deal with it if we know what it looks like first, but in our head, it's just too cloudy. It's all over the place. You know, we just, we fall into the trap of, Oh, I just feel shitty. Like I'm just in a shit mood. Right. Okay. Then- something about it like don't remain in that mood you don't have to so i think by just starting by by putting thoughts out on paper and just journaling feelings and even throughout the day like this is an exercise i give to clients is if you're like say you have a thought and it's a negative thought and it just pops in your head out of nowhere just ask yourself why in that moment you know because i think we just feel a thought and then we're like oh that was a shitty thought and then we just go on like if you catch it right there while you have it and be like, why did I just think like that? Why did I just say that to myself? Exactly. Okay. It's probably because this happened, but I really don't think that it's just because this happened and that triggered me. So I'm okay. You know, we have to, we have to deal with it right away. Whereas just letting it snowball, you know, into bigger things without realizing why we had a specific thought. So ask yourself questions. I ask myself questions all the time, you know, talk to yourself, like get in the habit of having this inner dialogue with yourself. And that's Mm -hmm. how your self-talk becomes becomes very positive when you build a, a safe healthy relationship with you right and you're not afraid to have thoughts and then you know analyze them or question them yeah and i think that speaking with yourself develops trust with yourself too because i think a lot of us don't yeah. trust our own decisions most yeah. of the time you know so when you can talk to yourself more often i talk to myself all the time like driving oh God, in the too. car <laughs> it, it's <laughs> the lane show <laughs> i'm like i need friends i need more friends <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, cause I'm, I'm in the car going to these different lessons and everything almost three hours on average a day round mm-hmm. trip. So it gives me time to plenty of time to reflect, to pray, to think out loud. And it's funny that you're talking about writing it down. Cause that's probably one of the most profound pieces of, vi- of advice I've ever been given was, uh, by a friend of mine, a mentor who said, you know, um, people who receive inspiration 
write it down. And he said, without people having done that throughout history, we wouldn't have these volumes of inspirational text, you know? So whenever you receive a thought or, you know, just write stuff down. He basically said, just write stuff down. And last night I had a six hour round trip, basically like two and a half, three hours to my destination and then back home. So I had plenty of time to think. And then it started getting cloudy and muddled and I started getting frustrated. I was like, okay, why can't I just keep track of this? So the first chance I got, I was at the drive through getting some in and out. You're welcome. Everybody that doesn't live in California. And, uh, what just, I pulled out my notepad on my phone and wrote it down. And when I looked at it, I was like, oh yeah, that's real simple. Why was I stressing out about keeping track of all this? But it's, yeah. I think it's so important to just, just write stuff down. That's, that's huge. And the other thing I was going to comment on is it, I, I love, um, the more I'm talking to you and, and learning about how you coach, the more I love it because I, I, I do a lot of the similar things, a lot of the same things. Start with your why. Why do I feel this way? Why did that thought come through my head at that time? And, and why am I doing this in the first place? I think just that question alone is so important to define on a daily basis because yeah. it's it's a question like you said we we don't examine enough. We use words and we accept thoughts and just brush them off as, you know, happenstance. Oh, that's just something that happens, you know, oh, you know, whatever. And one of the things that I'm I'm trying to get my clients to, to to realize more often the athletes I work with, the coaches, the parents is we use synonyms for words that were never meant to be compared. You know, we, we make them synonyms. We, we try to give them similar definitions when, you know, as we have mentioned several times already on this interview, words have meaning for a purpose. And so you yeah. got to use specific words to specifically describe how you're feeling the actions you want to take, um, you know, everything. So I think that was, that was great that you hit that, that point because it's super important to define your why and to begin with the, begin your process with defining your why. Yeah. Sweet. The fear of judgment. So, or one more thing. Yeah, please. Emotion. I think, um, cause I'm thinking about, you know, when people get in arguments or disagreements with someone else and they don't know how to express themselves emotionally without getting both people in defense mode, you know, face to face, it gets heated. Yeah. Um, yeah. A good way also is to write down your feelings to that person. And even mm-hmm. if you're not necessarily sending them what you write down, it does still relieve a lot of stress. It allows you to rethink of the whole situation. It allows you to reflect on it and question if you actually want to say that to them. And I think that's just a very healthy way of dealing with you know, aggravation or an argument instead of, instead of going face to face, you know, where both of you are just not going to listen to each other. Right. It's better to just write down like how you're feeling, what you want to say to them. And then you have a, you have a means of reflecting on it and either lessening, you know, the, the anger in the letter or just, you know, never sending it at all. Just for use sure. It to release your own tension. Say all this, the stuff that you probably would say offensively in the letter so that you can see it and oh no I I didn't mean that at all. Yeah. Um, but I know yeah. I've it's like it's better than saying that to their face and for then sure. hurting the relationship. I've been told many times that I'm confusing sometimes when we're in an argument. And I can see that because I'll just speak off the cuff, you know, in the moment 
when I'm like, ah, I really, you know, that wasn't what I was trying to say. And it's like, as you're searching for words, you just keep digging a deeper hole yeah. And instead of just saying, okay, let me just take a moment and go cool down and then figure out what I'm trying to say. So, yeah, yeah. Step away from it. Exactly. So the fear of judgment, how is that a fear that comes into play with relationships? And in your experience, how have people exhibited that fear, that specific fear? I think fear of judgment, um, often relates to what I found in my personal clients is it relates to childhood. You know, everything relates to childhood. Yeah. I think especially, especially judgment, you know, we have bullies, we have, you know, people who talk about us, who, who call us names, who, you know, see our bad test score and tell, tell all the other kids, like we all have a specific memory where we were judged. Right. And I think um, the fear of rejection is one of the greatest fears Mm -hmm. that people that people try to avoid on a daily basis. Right. And I think this, this also, this like stems from that judgment as a child and like not wanting to feel isolated and wanting to be part of the group and wanting to just roll with the crowd and be in the norm. And, and I think when it comes to, um, when it comes to social media, especially like there's so many people who, so many men even who I have like a couple clients who are trying to grow a business online and they're like, I don't know. I just like, can't make video. I can't like put my, I don't want to put my face out there. And it's just like, why? Like, right. this is your business. Like this is your face is your business. You yeah. have to get it out there. And it's just, it's like, no, I can't. And, and you know, with men and women, like even choosing profile pictures for Bumble or like online dating sites, they're like, you know, what if she thinks this? And like, what if like, maybe I shouldn't write that in my bio. Cause she'll think this. And I'm like, well, what do you think? Like, right. <laughs> back to like, what do you think about yourself? And like, is that a good way to, to, for her to depict you? Like, is that the way you want to come off right. to women? And he'll be like, yeah, like that's, that's something I would say. Like, that's how I would want. I'm like, okay, well then why are you worried about what, what she says? Like, obviously right. she's not the right woman for you if she's going to judge you based on you being authentic. Right. Right. It's like, as long as it's authentic, it's good. And I think it's just getting men, especially into that pattern of, of be you. And I think that's, it's kind of hard to, to think that way. Cause it's like, all right, well, wait, be yourself. What does that mean? And I, that's such like, you know, it's a question we always, we, that's something we always hear. Just be you, just be yourself, be authentic. And then guys are like, well, I am. And then I get like, I get yelled at blah, blah, blah. But it's just like, if you were, if you are you, like, if you are really trying to be the best version of you, you can be always, then you can't beat yourself up. Like if you are trying your right. hardest and you're taking the steps to do what's right and to treat women women respectfully and how you believe they should be treated like great in a relationship, then what can you do? Like why beat yourself up when you're just when you're doing everything you could possibly do? It's just like you know, I think we need to let go of living for other people and start mm-hmm. living for ourselves and know that if we do live for ourselves and we are trying our best then we will attract someone who sees that and who feels that because sure. when we're authentic, women read, especially women, like we are expert body readers, right? For, you know, we have babies. We have to be great at reading nonverbal communication. So when it comes to a man approaching a woman, she, she can feel if he's authentic, like she'll know, she'll feel it. She'll right. see it in his, in his nonverbal communication right off the bat, like right away. Right. And 
he a guy can tell me he's confident and that he's this or that, but I can know if he's being honest or not right. because I can sense it. I can feel it. And it's um so especially with men, it's like if you're authentic and you really are trying your hardest and you really aren't trying to creep her out, like, you know, because like, what if I creep her out by saying this? What if I make a creepy comment? I'm like, don't. Is your intention to be creepy? And right. like, no. <laughs> okay, you won't come off creepy. Right. If your intention right. is around fear of creepiness, then your focus is on creepiness. You're going to come off creepy. I think so, that should be my next episode, the fear of creepiness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Halloween episode. Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's a huge thing is like the intention, like set when it comes to fear of judgment, especially on social media, set an intention of how you want to come across to others. And what is, you know, just as long as you love yourself, you shouldn't be afraid of being the best version of you and having that as your intention to to come across to other people. Like if I say, you know, I want to appear and this is something I do and this is something I have my clients do too in exercise is before you do anything like how do you want like set an intention for yourself, giving yourself like three words to pump yourself up and show yourself how like how you want the outcome to look like. So, for instance, like before getting on this podcast with you, I would be like I would sit down and just take a minute and just be like, OK, how do I want to come across on this podcast? I want to come across knowledgeable. I want to be entertaining. Um, I want to. I want to maybe throw a joke here and there. Mm-hmm. I want to be. You know, and I just I'll just state like things that I want to come across. And then when you're when your brain has that in the back, when you know, and it's in the back of your mind and you ha- you set that intention sitting there and it's like the brain works with you For and sure. it goes, OK, sure. let's let's do this. then. like she she put these words, she plugged these words in. Let's make it happen. So I think that goes with everything. And especially, you know, when it comes to fear of, of people judging you, it's just like, all right, well, you can only do what you can do best, you know? So yeah, right. Trust, and the more you trust and love yourself, the more you just accept whatever happens. Because people always judge you. It's going to happen. You know, just like fear will always be in your life. It will always happen. So just, you know, accept it to a point, but only after you know you're doing your best. Exactly. I think that's so well put. On the heels of that advice, uh, what kind of etiquette advice do you or suggestions do you have for men and women when it comes to pursuing someone online or on social media? Don't lie about yourself. That's a big one. (laughs) I think there's a lot of people that, you know, put the wrong picture and they don't mention things that are, that are deal breakers to a lot of people. Right. Um, you know, out of fear that it will lessen their, their likes or their, you know, their matches, their stock. What? I said like their stock, you know, it lessens their, uh, their viability for finding somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I think just be, be totally you and just under like when you know what type of woman you want to as a man or, and vice versa, you know, when you know the person you want, right. Um, make sure that you're, you're, I think like instead, well, instead of focusing on the person, well, if you have a certain type of woman you want as a man, Mm -hmm. um, you have to, you have to attract her, right? So it's kind of like what type of guy would attract her? And am I the type of guy who would attract her? And if I'm not, do I want to be that type of guy or do I not? And it's just like reflecting on, you know, is, is my profile going to attract the type of woman I want? Right. and I think that's a good way to look at it. And it's not it's not so much doing it like 
like changing yourself for another, for a woman, but just, you know, there's a lot of guys that come to me and say, well, Steph, I don't even think I'm re-, like, after a call with you, I don't think I'm ready to attract the woman I want. Cause I'm not ready. Like she wouldn't be attracted to me at this point. I want to, I want to get better and I want to improve myself in this area and this area so that I can attract a woman like that. Like, I don't want to attract a woman like I am now because she's not going to be the woman I want. Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. It yeah. it reminds it makes me feel like you're kind of like the female version of Hitch. Like you're helping guys to be better guys to get the person that they've, you know, uh I that they've seen themselves being with. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. And a lot of people have said that. And I'm like, yeah, it does actually make sense with like the way you know, because it's not it's not all about I don't want them all just being like, OK, that's the woman I want. Now I have to change me to match her. It's like, no, right. Make sure that you want to be the man she would be attracted to. Exactly. That's the most important part. And right. then if you are, then work, work hard as hell to become that man and then go pursue her because at that point she'll want to be with you if you have all those all those qualities. So I think when it comes to when it comes to online dating, it's just, you know, make sure I would say first before even online dating, make sure you're in a healthy relationship with you. You know, like we said, it starts with you Yeah. and make sure you're in a strong place mentally and emotionally and, and physically, you know, your body is in a good energy state. Cause that matters a lot too. You know, women want a guy who's excited and happy and loves his life, you know? And I think that's something that a lot of men don't realize is, well, I don't want to be like joyful. That's or like happy. Like that's, that's weird. And you know, that's feminine. And I think like, you know, to see happiness as something that's that's not attainable for men is just women want that. Like we yeah. want to be with a really happy guy who wakes up and is excited to do what he, what he has to do. Yeah. Well, like that, we want a piece of that cause we want that and right. we want, you know, so it's important to, to physical energy is very important too. And I think as long as you can take care of your, yourself and you're in a really good place, then once you go into online dating, it's just, you know, put out, put out your pictures. Don't, don't lie. You know, just make it be completely honest and and know that, okay, this is the woman I have in mind that I want to attract. Like, this is how she acts. This is what she looks like. Actually make a list. I have my guys make a list of to get gain true clarity on on that type of woman. And he doesn't have to attract women with every single thing on the list. But at least he has a very clear definition of that woman so that when he does meet her, his brain is actually looking like on the lookout for her. Right. right? I so think it's, it's really just like. Sorry, go ahead. It's like the pink elephant in the room. Like, don't think of a pink elephant. You're right. going to think of one because that's where your focus went, right? right? So if you have a focus point of, okay, this is the woman I want, and you read it, you know, a couple times a week, then your brain is on the lookout. And whenever you whenever you bump into that, you know, when you buy a new car, it's the same thing. Like, you see your car everywhere. So by putting focus on the woman you want, you'll also see more of the women you want in public and on social media and it's it's insane, but this is how it works. <laughs> I think that's really cool. I think that's called the is it Bader Meinhof? Um, Bader Meinhof, Bader Meinhof complex is is exactly what you just described. It's when like you know when you see a car, like you you have a car that you want, and you're like, oh, you're obsessing about it. Like I want this car, you know. And then all of a sudden you start seeing no that car <laughs> everywhere, and you're like, holy crap! Like everybody has the car that I want. When did that happen? And yeah. it's it's not that it hadn't happened before that moment. It's just that you had understood it. Yeah. Now that your brain is aware of it, it's now looking for that car everywhere you go. That's, yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. yeah and everyone believes it with cars. So <laughs> you have to believe like this happens to everyone. Right. So you have to understand it works in all ways and it works with the negative, too. So when you're 
when your brain is looking at the negative, you're waking up and you're like, oh, I feel like shit again. Oh, it's Monday. Like, this sucks. Right. You know, it's going to be your, that's starting your focus. Therefore, that's where your awareness is. And that's what your brain sees. It's going to pick out everything that goes wrong in that day and blow it up and make it look so much bigger when it's not. There you go. And I, just a real quick amendment. Bader-Meinhof Complex is a movie. I haven't seen it, so I don't want to get you confused. Bader-Meinhof Phenomenon is the psychological principle. Um, <laughs> just to clarify for everybody before they're like, eh, this is some weird German movie from <laughs> the 70s. Um, but yeah, and, and I think what I was going to say earlier is that what's so awesome is that you just thoroughly explained being yourself. Like You just basically broke down step by step how to actually be yourself, which is how you started off that you know, when describing the fear of judgment and rejection, you know, you said people get told all the time, well, just be yourself. You said, well, that, what does that actually mean? So if you weren't paying attention, rewind and go back and listen because Steph just broke down step-by-step how to actually be yourself when approaching uh, somebody of interest in your life. So I think that was awesome. That was amazing. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no, that's, that's a credit to you for, you know, just knowing, knowing your stuff. Yeah, um, I love it. <laughs> I can tell. I know it's awesome. It's totally. You you sound as passionate as I do when I'm talking about how to get human beings to flip head over heels. You know, it's it's amazing. Cool. Um, you know, I I know I brought him up, and I'm not trying to to personally plug Lewis Howes, but um, I think I in our pre-interview call I talked about how he has that. Oh no, I didn't. I mentioned him, but he has a book called The Mask of Masculinity, uh, in mm-hmm. which he breaks down. Uh, nine masks that he believes men typically wear to hide their true selves from the outside world. I know that this is not a new concept. Other people have said it in different ways, but um, so he, he outlines the stoic mask, which makes me think of like Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec, the athlete mask, which is any jock that you've ever seen, uh, the material mask, a man that is, you know, into material possessions. The sexual mask, which could be someone that comes across as hypersexual or oversexual or aggressively sexual. Uh, The aggressive mask is somebody that just always seems to be aggressive. The Joker, who is, Mm. you know, always making jokes to. uh, I think people make jokes to take the attention off themselves instead of putting attention on themselves. The invincible mask, like Mr. Incredible or somebody that's impervious to feelings and harm. I, I think that's like the. The man's man. You know, I'm invincible. Mm-hmm. The know-it-all. Um, I know a couple of these people. And then the alpha mask, which is, I guess that's more of like the ultimate man. You know, the, I'm the alpha male. Mm-hmm. Which masks do you find are most common among the athletes, <laughs> athletes, clients <laughs> that you work with uh, when it comes to the subject of being more vulnerable when dating? Like when you're, you know, maybe trying to coach somebody on being more vulnerable which masks do you do you identify that are most common that you're trying to help them take off and learn to be more vulnerable? Um, I would say, I would say that alpha mask mm-hmm. is one and the Joker mask. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. And my first, uh, one of my first clients was had a huge Joker mask on. Wow. And that was really interesting because I would, you know, everything was just funny. Everything was a joke. And especially when, and it it really wasn't like not everything was a joke, but when it came to talking about what we needed to talk about, then it just like turned into a joke. 
And right. Like, and I'd be like, okay, let's pull it back. Like, why did you have to make a joke about that? Like, right. <laughs> you know, like that wasn't really necessary. That didn't even flow. We weren't even joking. Like, did you notice that? And then it was just, and he didn't, he'd be like, wow, like I didn't realize that. That's and, awesome. Yeah. So he would go on dates and then I would, I, he would report back to me like after each date. And at this point, this guy was going on three dates a weekend, like Ooh. crazy. And yeah, he, he found someone by the end of 90 days, he was in an exclusive relationship. So it was wow. awesome. But like, it's awesome. Yeah. But in the beginning, he would say things like he would say he would come back and be like, well, I said this to her. And then like and I'm like, was that supposed to be a joke? Like why? And he's like, yeah, well, it was a joke. And I'm like, well, did she laugh? Did she find it funny? And he's like, no, like she didn't laugh. And I'm like, that's don't. Like, <laughs> I think you missed the point of a joke. Yeah. And um, and it was just strange. Like he would just throw. He was like, I was just trying to be like, you know, light in the mood and stuff. And I'm like, women don't want women, especially like we don't want a guy who takes everything so lightly and like, you know, just jokes around about everything. Because as women, we want to know. Like women think more long term. Men think yeah, more short term, right? Sure. So when a woman's on a date, even the first date, a woman will be thinking, Can I live with this man? Can right. we have babies? Right. <laughs> like, what kind of car will we drive when we have five kids? Like right. that's what we're thinking about. The first date. So if you're joking around, like right away, she's thinking like, is he even taking this seriously? Like, right. cause I am. And you know, it's just not that we're like so serious from the start, but that's like our British subconscious is thinking that way. So, yeah. so right away, like if you're, if you're making jokes about everything, it's just a turnoff. So we had to actually like rewire him to stop, to stop joking so much. And the, what was, what was going on was that he was hiding emotional things that he wasn't telling me until later. Wow. And once he did open up emotionally, he stopped joking. Wow. And it was it was crazy. Yeah. And That's he even amazing. said like he would report back from dates and be like, I, I didn't like make any jokes. And like the dates would go great. And it was just, yeah, it was just hiding. Wow. Yeah. It really is a mask. It's yeah. literally a mask to cover up the fact that he didn't want to be vulnerable. And he never, he never was. And he didn't know who he could be vulnerable with or who he could trust to take off the mask. So yeah, it took some time, but like it happened. It was interesting. Super interesting. What are some of the biggest dating myths that you've come across with your clients that you believe stem from a place of fear or a lack of understanding? Like things that they think because they're fearful or they don't understand, they're like, well, this just has to be true about me putting myself out there more. Dating myths. I think, um, I think a lot of, a lot of people just, I think it's the judgment thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if this is like so much of, so much of a myth, but like people are just like, they think they're being watched the whole time when it's really, we're just thinking about ourselves and like wow. what we're going to say next. Right. And I think the more you understand that, that it's not about, you know, get out of your own head and just focus on that person because they're not judging you. They're, they're, you know, they're most likely like thinking what they're going to say next. So it's just like, well, that's how we function. And it's just, it's just being able to, to be open and be honest and not think that, um, sorry, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> hey, if I, I could, if I had a dime for every time that happened, <laughs> no worries. No, but you were, you were saying that it, it may not necessarily be a myth, but you, you feel like one of the most common things that comes up, uh, when you're talking to people about, you know, putting themselves out there, that fear of judgment uh, is definitely one that is prominent in your experience. 
Yeah. Like, I think it's just like, oh, they're going to, they're going to think this about me and they're going to, they're going to notice this. And it's going to like, we point out our most insecure, like our insecurities about ourselves before we go on a date, like if we're nervous. And then it's just like, and it's like, you just have to realize that person will never, will never notice them, you know? So just don't think about them and they won't, they won't come up. But I think it's just like, you know, we're not really on a stage when you date. I think a lot of people think like, oh, like all our eyes, all eyes are going to be you know, on me tonight, like, he's just going to be like, everything, all the focus is on me. But it's really like, we're all we're all trying to, we're, we all get nervous on dates. And like, no one is not nervous. And no one's not a little anxious. I mean, you want anxiety, if it's a good date, that means you're excited, right? Right. If there's anxiety with the date. Right. So I think it's just, it's important to understand, like, it's, everyone is nervous. Like, it's just, it's uncomfortable for everyone. Everyone's thinking about their insecurities, like both people will be thinking about, you know, their insecurities and men will either, you know, the, the cocky men will either flaunt their materialistic things to, to, so that they don't show any insecurities or, you know, women will do, women will do a similar thing where, you know, we'll just, we'll just have a really, we'll, we'll uh, distract ourselves with, or distract him with jewelry or, you know, a certain makeup look to hide from our things. Right. And I'm not saying right. like all make, like, you know, it's, it's just like we put on, we do kind of put on masks. We all um, do, right, in different right? ways. Yeah, no, totally. I get where you're going with that. Yeah, we all yeah. put on, we all put on some sort of show or distraction to really, um, to to avoid having to be so vulnerable, and to you know take that risk um, because we're afraid of judgment and rejection and failure. You know, f- the fear of failure is. I mean, I think I've already done two episodes. It's probably going to have like twenty more episodes by. the you know, throughout the course of the show, just because it's so prominent and it, it, it leads to, or connects dots to many other fears and, and struggles that we, we go through. So I yeah. think that that's, yeah, you're, you're hitting it right on the head. And I think that definitely, you know, can be categorized as a myth, the myth that all eyes are going to be on you, that you're going to be the center of attention. And therefore you run a higher risk of being um, judged and criticized, laughed at, or, People saying like, oh, what was she thinking coming out in that dress? Or what was he thinking that he could get with a girl like that? You know, we we mm. were afraid that we're going to be judged when really no one's paying attention to no you. No one cares. Like, no one cares because we're all so selfish anyway. <laughs> we all have our own things that we're doing, you know, and there are other people with so many other concerns. I think it is selfish of us to think in the first place that it's going to sound very insensitive, but to think that you're that important. And I think uh, my, my last guest brought up that it was a quote. Let me see if I, I think I have it here, but he brought up that quote. Uh, Let me see. It, oh man, it was something like, you're not that don't be so modest. You're not that important or you're not that special. Um, I totally forget. I'm still kind of perusing through here. But um, ah, here it is. Don't be so humble. You're not that great. And that's by Golda Meir. And she said that, you know, that don't be so humble. You're not that great. And and I think that that's the problem is that we think, you know, we're being we're showing this humility and, yeah. and trying to humble ourselves and cover up parts of ourselves. But really, you know, everybody's got their own things to, to, to focus on and they're not going to be concerned with any of the decisions you make. When you go out on a date, when you're putting yourself out there, the, the like you said, this entire time, the first and only person that you need to worry about is yourself. First and foremost, like make sure you're right with yourself 
and that you're comfortable in your own skin before you expect somebody else to be comfortable around you. Yeah, exactly. I think another big myth is that there's so many guys who think women won't women like hate short guys. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> I used to That's think that. Big one. I actually used to think that I was like, cause I'm five, eight. I was like, uh, you know, what's, I'm, I'm a little shorty. She's not really going to be interested in me or, you know what it is, but I think that it, for men that stems from that masculinity and that, that lack of, uh, that lack of confidence in your manhood because culture will tell you that a real man is tall, is muscular, uh, is not afraid of anything. And somehow your height and stature have to do with that. You know, when it really, I've been in rooms with other guys and I'm one of the most self-aware, confident guys in that room. But at the same time, I do feel myself being, and I guess this would go against that confidence comment. I do feel myself almost like you're, you're, I don't know if it's an emotional thing or a psychological thing where your, your brain's telling you to be afraid of somebody that's physically taller than you or, or I know that there was a time where my insecurity would say, you know, um, just because he's taller, he's the alpha in the room. And then, you know, now I look back on it, I'm like, wh- why, why am I even concerned with who's alpha or <laughs> yeah. what, like what? We're not animals. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, why does that, why is that revelation? <laughs> why does that matter? But it does happen. Um, yeah, that's a great myth. I think that's too, like, speak on that more, like from a female perspective, like what, wh- why is that so ridiculous as a myth? Because it's like guys don't real. I think because men are more physically drawn to women than women are physically drawn to men. Like yeah, I think I like, heard that many times. Yeah. Like the physicality is number one for men. Men are just men see a woman's physique and right away they're turned on or turned off. Right. And you can either date her and or you can't, you know, like you're either and 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 it's funny because I talked to a few of my guy friends about this and I was like, would you ever date a woman you weren't physically attracted to? And they were like, no, why would I date her if I'm not right. attracted? And for women, it's it's like no, we would because mentality is more important is more attractive to us than physicality. So for a woman, like we won't be attracted at all like to a guy. Like we can go on a date with him if we're not. I mean. Like most likely it's we have to be attracted to something like physical about him. Something has to stand like, out. Right. Some, like there has to be like one or two things that we're attracted to and then he could get a date with us. Right. Where it's like because if he made us feel a certain way or he made us believe we were we were something that we want to believe more about ourselves and that's more attractive than just his physicality. Right. So so guys have to understand that like height and, you know, your penis Wait. size. Penis <laughs> size. There you go. <laughs> like it doesn't matter as much as they think it really doesn't because at the end of the day like I mean for some women it does yeah we all have our preferences and that's okay like there's some guys who don't like you know certain physical things about women right it's fine you know we have to be attracted to who we want to end up with right like physical attraction is important but at the same time like for for women from a more like you know science standpoint we're more just focused on you know is he going to make me like feel good about myself right. and if he right. can make me feel smart or make me like ask me questions that that make me want to think and want to learn Engage. like that's more attractive than just you know a hot bod like we right. don't 
And there's so many guys that are like, oh, I guess I need to be tall with abs. And like, yeah, that's what matters. <laughs> like, yeah. no, no, you have to be a decent guy who makes me feel, you know, doesn't make me feel like crap. <laughs> I remember I was physically heavier when I met my wife. Like I said, we met on, I think I told you in our pre-call, like we met on, on YouTube because yeah. she had a national commercial for Crest. And so I first saw her on TV and like after a while I was like, oh, she's really cute. Like, and I have, I have one of the fe- fears that I've grown up not having or, or understanding. I shouldn't say that I don't have it, but I understand myself and I learned to outperform it early was the fear of failure. Like, I'm not afraid of taking a chance on anything. I'll take a chance, give it a shot. If I get shot down, I've asked, I, I remember I asked a girl out on a date once at Jamba Juice. Like there was just this girl there and I was like, Hey, I think you're attractive. And you know, would you like to maybe go somewhere other than Jamba Juice one day? And, uh, and, and then she, you know, said she had a fiance, but anyways, um, <laughs> that's a whole nother story. But, um, yeah, you know, so I wasn't afraid of taking a chance. So I saw her on TV and I said, you know, I want to see if this girl is, is, is real or not. So I did a very quick Google search to everybody that's listening and, Everybody in my life that said I stalked her. I did a very simple Google search and her name popped up I right away. People's names. I'm <laughs> just saying. They're like, oh, you stalked her. I'm like, no, I didn't stalk her. And <laughs> actually, her video came up in a blog post by some girl she went to high school with that hated her and hated the fact that she had a commercial now. So it was it was so funny. But wow. you know, um, yeah, so that's that's how that's how we met, and I was heavier when I met her. So that was one of the things I was super insecure about. I didn't lie about it, but I just said, you know, I'm not where I would like to be physically. And I think the funniest thing is that to this day, she'll tell me, she'll tell other people, yeah, like yeah, I wasn't attracted to him at first. She was like, it had nothing to do with his weight. She was, I just didn't know him. Like I just wasn't yeah. attracted to him, and I thought, but she's like you said, you have to be attracted to something. So she was attracted to my personality and she thought I'd make a great, like, if it didn't work out romantically, I'd be a really good friend. And mm-hmm. to a guy, you're like, the, the friend zone, great. You know, I'd make a great friend. Yeah. But as you get older, you you learn to appreciate that. Like, wow, that's actually, that's a huge compliment. Because like you mm-hmm. were saying, like, you had a, a horrible, you know, experience to the point where you couldn't call a, a, a guy a friend and feel that. He wasn't going to take advantage of you or try something funny. So mm-hmm. I think that that is something that I can actually now look back on with pride and say, you know, she felt that I could be trusted enough to be a friend. That's actually a yeah. big deal. But, you know, I think the, and the opposite goes too. you know, with the with the physical attraction, like you can actually become less physically attractive if your personality sucks. Yeah. Yes. I right. Agree. Isn't yeah. that crazy? Yeah. There's so much, I mean, we could go so, so deep with this. I, yeah. I love it because it's just the, the, the expanses of human psychology. It's just so vast, but, yeah. um, but look, I know we, we should probably, you know, <laughs> keep it to a certain, to a certain length so that, uh, people don't zone out or fall asleep listening to this, uh, this riveting conversation. Cause I know I, sometimes I just get lost in the, in what I'm listening to and I'm just like, zoning out i'm like okay that's not safe while i'm driving it's super interesting (laughs) i just probably should be more engaged so how about this before we go uh where can everybody find you online and follow you to learn more about what you do what you teach and maybe even reach out to you for your services yeah well i i practically live on instagram so i'm always in instagram stories Uh, 
DM me on at Let's Talk Relationships. With periods in between, correct? Yeah. Let's I don't think that talk. matters. I think you could just type it without okay. periods. It still comes up. But Got yeah, it. just in case. <laughs> Let's right. Talk dot relationships. Um, and yeah, I'm there. I'm always providing content in my stories. Uh, you know, I'm doing post of day of value. Um, you can look at my my website, which is sgdatingcoach.com. Um, yeah, so there's some stuff there about neurofeedback, and I have a few blog posts on there. And then, you know, I have my my podcast, which is the What I Love About Men podcast. Love it's it. on iTunes and Spotify. So go yeah, subscribe so, right now. Yes, yeah, subscribe. Got you. Um, I also do a weekly email blast that just shoots value and knowledge um, once a week. So if you want to get on my email blast, I, you know, I make a post once a week to to get emails. So just, you know, focus on my my Instagram stories. You'll know everything about me through there. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's where I found. I think I found you through the Explore page. Oh yeah. Uh, or you, one of the two. I either found you through Explore or you liked one of my posts or something. And I usually, you know, I, I try to be very engaged on Instagram. So uh, if somebody likes something, then I'll, I'll check out their profile and, and see if, you know, they're equally as interesting. And you were. I was like, wow, this is really cool. And I think this would be make a great, you know, um, podcast episode. Yeah. So a few days ago, I asked you to come up with three things that you wanted to leave our listeners with when it comes to the fear of putting yourself out there. So what are three things that you want to arm – what three things, pieces of knowledge you want to arm people with uh, as, they, as, as we lead out of this episode? I would say number one, boost your self-talk because that's going to – like I said, that is number one. You know, the way you speak to yourself right. is so important. So make sure it's in a good place and make sure it's the words, your words, your inner dialogue is always making you feel strong. And if it's not, ask yourself why. Uh, number two, I would say clarity, gaining clarity on what you want, who you want to be, mm-hmm. um, get, get a good grip of, okay, who am I right now? Who do I want to become? And what's, how do I bridge that gap? Okay. You know, and the more clear you are, the easier it's, it is to, to bridge the gap and know exactly what your action steps are. Number three, work on leaving your comfort zone and just think of it like, you know, there's a circle and there's a little dot on inside the edge of the circle. So just think of moving that dot right to the outside of the circle. Okay. Don't think of making huge changes. Just right. think of thinking, okay, I'm going to step one foot outside the bubble. And then another little foot. And then another little foot. And then eventually you'll be in a new place. And you'll have a different way of thinking and a different mindset. So just always tell yourself, you know, I'm not afraid of leaving that comfort zone. It's it's good for me. It's going to help me. It's awesome. I think that's huge too. Comfort zone. Like I'm, I'm learning more and more just how often we hang out in our comfort zone. Even when we think we're making changes, it's still, yeah. we're still just kind of like hugging the perimeter of our comfort zone, you know? So I feel all the time and I'm like, like I feel like I'm making moves, but at the same time, I'm like, I could be going so much like, right further. You know? uh, and I think that that's what you said is perfect because you know, you don't have to make these. I think that's what we think, you know, and that, that's what the yeah. brain lies to you and says, because it does this. It lies to you when you think about making change. It it tells you all the ways that things could go wrong or how much effort it's going to be. And that's mm-hmm. why people struggle with diets or, or you know, losing weight. And yeah, that's why we struggle with making changes in our personality, because your brain is lying to you 
saying that it's going to be so hard because it doesn't want you to leave that safe place. So I think when you look at you safe, but at the same time, it's screwing you over. Right. Exactly. (laughs) This is the enigma of the human brain. Yeah. So I think definitely that, you know, taking small steps are still, mm-hmm. they're going to make huge implications for your, your level of growth as a person in your talent, in your career, whatever, in your relationships. If you push yourself just outside that comfort zone to get started and then take it a step further. But like you said earlier in the episode, also consistency repetition will only reinforce that confidence that it takes to keep venturing outside of that that perimeter yeah and it starts with just like like guys it doesn't have to be like we said it doesn't have to be huge but it doesn't even have to be like you know a somewhat big step just do something different right thing you could do that's different like if you never read and you want to get in the habit of reading books read one page today like wow i never thought about it like that yeah that's huge something different wow you know, I did that a couple of weeks ago with uh, with um, drinking a gallon of water a day. Mm. And I was like, you know, I'm not expecting to crush this entire thing of water, especially since I've been so bad at drinking water daily. I'll, I have like a couple glasses, but, you know, drinking that much more water, I was like, for my health, I feel like this is right for me. And so I was like, you know what? Instead of thinking about, oh, I'm going to have to do this for the rest of my life or I'm going to have to do this for the rest of the, the month. I'm like, let me just focus on today. So let me see how much water I drink today. Hang on to the jug tomorrow and see where I'm at. Like when I wake up, how much was left? And then focus on finishing it. And if I feel like it, I'll start again that day and just focus on that day. So mm. like reading a I book like, like that. I've never had that. I never had that mentality. Just what today? Just do it today. Just do it today and see how today goes. Right? Like if you're on a, if you're doing, uh, let's say you're doing, uh, you're trying to eat better. And you don't want to do, you want to eat as much sugar. Just say today, I don't want to eat as much sugar. Don't care about tomorrow or even the weekend or worrying about when your cheat day is going to be. Today, I don't want to eat that much sugar. And then see where it gets you. And then tomorrow, it's a new today. Mm-hmm. And that for me worked so much better. It got to the point where I was holding on to that water jug like it was um, a safety blanket. You know, like it was, it was like my my bottle when I was a baby just because it became my focus and it became, it wasn't something I was doing anymore or trying to be. It was who I was now. I was like, I'm, I'm now a, a a jug head, you know, like I'm, I'm drinking water out of a jug every single day. And, and what I would do too is, you know, one of my biggest fallbacks, I would get a soda or a tea when I would go out to uh, fast food or, you know, eat out. And so I'd get a drink with the meal that I was ordering, but with this physically carrying it with me or keeping it in the car, I was like, Oh, I already got a drink. I don't need, I don't need something else. Yeah. So it was really like helping me day to day, but the book that just blew my mind. I never even thought about it like that. Like screw a chapter. Just try reading a page yeah. or a couple paragraphs. Like that's, that's nothing in the scale of your life, you know, in the scope mm-hmm. of your life, that's nothing. Yeah. And that's how you want yourself to start thinking. Oh, it's nothing. Like I can do that. You want to get yourself in the habit of, I can do that. So it's huge. Yeah. All right, Steph, two questions that I ask or try to ask all of my guests. You ready? Yes. First question. What is your definition of fear? Like if you had to ascribe, hmm, let me back up. What is your definition of fear? Like if you had to describe it to a child 
or someone who lost their memory and had no semblance of what fear was, how would you describe fear? I would describe it as what it is, F-E-A-R, false expectations appearing real. Mm. I think like, you know, fear is just this idea in our head that we make so big. And it's like, I think to, to just use it as, as what it is, like it's, we're going to have it, we're going to feel it, but, but make it your friend, you know, and just realize that it's just most likely the worst of it is not going to happen. So it's just like, it, it feels so strong. The feeling is so strong and it feels so real, but it's just really appearing real. It's just false expectations appearing real. So I think when we can just understand that, okay, most likely this is not going to get the best of me, but yet the feeling is still going to be there. I have to do something about this feeling. So I would just say like embrace the feeling because it's going to be there for the rest of your life. You're going to have it. So don't try to ignore it. Don't try to hide it, but just use it as a, as a means of, okay, this is, this keeps me going. This keeps me, this keeps me on track. Fear is actually my friend. And, you know, although it's maybe not like, it doesn't have to be realistic and it, it may not, but, but it's here to help me in a way. It helps me grow. The only way I can grow is if I have something to, to keep me on track. And I think fear is that thing. If you're just tuning in right now by some crazy circumstance and you just, you know, jumped in at this point of the interview, that was not a paid sponsorship for fearless university. That was our guest, Steph Ganowski <laughs> breaking down fear the exact way that I do every single day. This is the interview from heaven. That's what happened. <laughs> That's exactly what just happened right there. That was that was perfect. I actually use that same um um acronym, but I've yeah. I've substitute yeah. false for fabricated. Mm. So sometimes okay. I'll say because the brain will fabricate reasons why you shouldn't do things. It comes up with intentional lies. So I'll say fabricated um was it false fabricated expectations appearing real. That's that was that was perfect. Okay, second question. This is a little bit more personal. What is the greatest life lesson you have ever learned from fear? I I would say that it was I wouldn't be in California if I didn't deal with fear because I I bought a one-way flight last year about a year and a half ago from New Jersey and it was because I was in a very damaging toxic emotionally abusive relationship that wow. I was actually I was actually terrified of leaving because it after 2 years of being in it gave me this sense of security and and sureness you know like, like when you're familiarity someone, yeah, yeah it was just very I was comfortable in it and even though I hated it and I hated myself being in it and I started feeling bad about myself in it it it's amazing like thinking back at that time that I was you know hating hating him and hating myself for being with him yet I was still stuck with him Wow. And it was kind of like leaving, just buying a one way without an apartment. I didn't get an apartment until four days before my flight. So I booked wow. like a month in advance. Yeah. And I just said, screw this. Like, I'm sick of being in this relationship. And it was, I didn't tell him. I just, I just left. And, and I just remember packing and just wanting to puke everywhere because I was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm leaving five jobs. Like I was a freelancer and I had five streams of income and I was comfortable with this you know, with this relationship, even though it was terrible. And I was just like, I was dealing with anxiety and I was about to go on antidepressants because I was so down and I was so like afraid of this relationship. And I was just, I just hated where I was with myself 
And I just, I was like, something needs to change. Something needs to change. And I just, <laughs> you know, if I wasn't terrified and I wouldn't have, I don't know, like the whole thing was just, my life was in a scary point. And, and I think I was just like, something needs to change right now. And that fear allowed me to, to need that change and crave it so bad. And, you know, if I wasn't afraid, I wouldn't have, I don't know, I wouldn't have ran and I wouldn't have done the crazy thing I did. And, and even though it was scary, it turned out to be the best decision of my life because I wouldn't have started this business if I didn't. So, yeah. That's beautiful. It's, it's yeah. funny because they, we, we think that, um, we think that our first reaction to fear is to be afraid. Um, but they say that with biological fear, that humans innate response is not flight, it's fight. Like mm. there's, there's really no, you know, so our, our natural reaction to fear is to fight. Um, the biological yeah. kind when we're physically presented with something that is scaring us or could cause us harm. Um, yeah, the, the, most of us will react with a call to action and that's, um, so interesting. that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's amazing that that is what fear was able, even though yours well, hopefully prayerfully yours was mostly the psychological part of that. Um, it was still something that, you know, pushed you towards, um, changing your life for the better. Yeah. I went through the fight and then I got on a flight. So. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did. I actually did them in that order. Yeah. That's perfect. On that note, <laughs> Steph Ganowski, uh, to one more time for everybody, where can they find you on Instagram and online? You can go to at let's talk relationships with dots in between let's dot talk dot relationships. And you can check out my website at sgdatingcoach.com. Well, I think you uh, ticked off all the boxes from your premeditative. Uh, how do you want to be in this uh, in this interview? You were educational, you were uh, informative, and you were entertaining. So, Steph G, oh, thank you, thank you so much for your time. So I appreciate it. Yeah, and I, lo- is- I love talking with you because I do feel like we're on the same, you know, the same mindset level and. And yeah, I'd love to talk to you more. Oh, fun. it's going to happen. It's a it's a certainty for sure. Same cool. here. All right. Thanks Thank so you. Much, Link. Thank you. There you have it, ladies and especially gentlemen. Another episode is in the can. I want to thank my guest, Steph G, for an amazing time and for sharing so much of her insight into the hearts and minds of men. Remember, wherever you're listening, be sure to follow us and have your notifications turned on to be notified the moment a new episode drops. If you're listening on iTunes, please rate the show and leave us a review. It's my vision to touch the lives of the masses and add value to the world. And every like, rating, and review only helps me to further realize that vision. Remember, guys, closed mouths don't get fed. If you don't understand something, ask questions and seek understanding. Because if we seek to understand more, we can learn to fear less. Remember, you can find me almost anywhere online. Coach Lane on Instagram, that's where I hang out the most. Thanks again for joining us today. Remember, whatever it is, go out there and get after it. I'm Coach Lane. I'll catch you on the flip.